Now in the next ayah, what do we learn? Now we learn about the accusation of zina. So firstly we learned about the crime of zina, the punishment of zina, alright? The effects of zina. Now we learn about the allegation of zina. That when someone is being accused of zina, وَالَّذِينَ And those people who يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ Who accuse the chaste women. يَرْمُونَ From the word رَمِي رَمْيٌ رَمِيمِيَا Is to throw, to hurl something. Alright? It is إِلْقَاء بِشَيْءٍ يَضُرُّ وَيُؤْذِي Is to throw something at someone that will hurt them, that will harm them. So for example, shooting an arrow. Alright? Or throwing a stone. Isn't it going to hurt the person? It will, right? So over here, Rami, it means accusation. Because when someone accuses you of something that you've not done, does it hurt? Hurts really bad. Right? You know like what they say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will. They say never hurt me, but it's actually the opposite. Words can also hurt me. Right? Words can also hurt. Because the wounds, the scars that come from sticks and stones, what happens to them? They heal. But the wounds that come from words, it takes a very, very long time to heal. Sometimes they don't heal at all. So, وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ Those people who accuse muhsanat, muhsanat plural of muhsana, and who is she? A chaste woman. Remember that the word muhsana has different meanings, and we studied that in Surah An-Nisa. It means free woman, it means married woman, and it also means chaste woman. Over here it means chaste woman. Meaning the one who doesn't do zina. It's not expected of her that she would commit zina. So there's a chaste woman, an innocent woman, alright, a pious woman, and someone accuses her of committing zina. Summa then, lam not, yet tu, they come, bi arba'ati with four meaning they do not bring four shuhada witnesses what do we learn from this that if a person accuses another of zina then what do they have to bring with that accusation that accusation must be backed by witnesses how many witnesses arba'a four witnesses who are these witnesses witnesses who are other than the person who's accusing Alright? And these witnesses, they must have witnessed the actual act of zina. The actual act of zina must have been witnessed. You understand? So if for example, if a person sees a man and woman going into a hotel room, and closing the door, or sitting in the car, eating together at a restaurant, and if he says, oh, They must have committed zina. What were they doing in that hotel room together? They must have committed zina. He's saying that he better back it up with four people who have seen the act of zina with their eyes. And if they do not bring the witnesses, then what does Allah say? ثُمَّ لَمْ يَأْتُوا بِأَرْبَعَةِ If they do not bring the witnesses, فَجْلِدُوهُمْ Then lash them. Lash who? Those who are accusing of zina. The accusers. Lash them, punish them for saying something without backing it with proof. So punish them. Punish them with what? 
the punishment of lashing. How many lashes? Samanina jalda. Eighty lashes. Eighty lashes is the punishment for accusing someone of zina without bringing proof. And there is another punishment. And what is that? Wala and do not taqbalu lahum. You do not accept for them. Meaning never accept from them. Shahadatan, any testimony, abadan, ever. Meaning in the future, their testimony in the court will never be accepted. In other words, these people lose their credibility. They lose the right to testify in court. For any case, any case, they cannot do that. وَأُولَٰئِكَ and those whom they الفاسقون They are fasiq. They are sinful. They are criminals. They are crossing the limits. Who's crossing the limits? Someone who accuses of zina without bringing proof. إِلَّا except الَّذِينَ تَابُوا Those people who do tawbah. Except for those who do tawbah. From among who? Those who accuse of zina, right? And they didn't bring proof. But then they realize their mistake. And they seek Allah's forgiveness. Mimbardi dalik after that, wa aslahu, and they also do islah. What does it mean by that? They reform their deeds. Meaning in the future, they never open their mouth about any matter, about anyone without proof. And islah also includes taking the legal punishment. It also includes taking the legal punishment. So after the 80 lashes, after apologizing to the one whom they accused, after you know fixing their mistakes so now they don't open their mouth with respect to any matter except with proof aslahu fa inna rahim then indeed allah is forgiving and merciful meaning yes then later on their testimony might be accepted in court okay good question in the ayah muhsanat is mentioned right women who are being accused of zina Right? And then if proof is not brought, then those who are accusing, they must be given the punishment of 80 lashes. What about a man? What if he's accused of zina? And proof is not brought. Then in that case, again, those who are falsely accusing will be punished. Why are the women mentioned here? Why are the women mentioned here? Because most of the time, who is accused? Women. Right? Don't we hear all these stories in the media especially? Women being falsely accused, no proof is brought, and she is stoned to death. Right? And also remember that a woman, if she is accused, right, then this is a more sensitive matter. Right? It's a more sensitive matter. Because obviously, for her to take this accusation is more hurtful, because she's a woman after all. Right? And then it will affect her family also. Go ahead. Good, very good. By the way, this punishment that is described in these ayat is the had of qadaf. Alright, the punishment of qadaf. What is qadaf? To falsely accuse someone of zina. Alright, so if someone accuses another of zina and the witnesses are not brought, proof is not brought, then what happens? They will be punished, right? And that punishment is called the had of qadaf. Okay? Now, it's very unlikely that four witnesses can be brought, right? To watch the act, to see, to witness the act, and then testify in court also. It's very rare that this will happen. Which is why we see in the sunnah that whenever the punishment of zina was implemented, 
It was mostly in the case of who? People who had come and confessed. People who had come and confessed that, Ya Rasulullah, this sin has been committed. Please purify me. Please purify me. He turned his face away, but please purify me. Again and again. Remember the incident of that woman? She was pregnant. And the Prophet ﷺ told her, go back. When you have your baby, then we'll talk about it. She came back after delivering the baby. The Prophet ﷺ said, go nurse her. So basically he was trying to avert as much as possible that if Allah has concealed the sin, don't publicize it. Right? Now, what does this teach us? You see, the crime, the sin of zina is serious and the punishment is also very serious. And it should not be taken lightly. Which means that someone, if they're being accused, hmm, then this is a very serious matter. You better bring proof. Which means that we should not even talk about other people committing zina. Because this had of qadhaf, what does it do? It prevents us from talking about others. Doesn't it? That if you open your mouth, so-and-so has committed zina, you better bring proof. If you don't bring proof, then come. And you're going to be punished. So this accusation of zina cannot be taken lightly either. Alright? And again, this teaches us that the punishment is basically implemented when a person comes and confesses himself. Right? When they come and confess themselves, when they want to be purified. And those who don't want to be purified, right? Then obviously, they will be punished in the hereafter. Then their matter is between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course. I mean, uh, you shouldn't be seeking out such things, right? But if an act like this is witnessed, then of course, testimony will be brought. Right? The point is, the lesson that we learn from here is, don't talk about zina. Don't talk about other people having zina. Don't do that. Because if you do, then you are guilty. What happens is that these conversations, what do they do? They make the act of zina very small. Right? That so and so, oh yeah, you know, he's sleeping with so and so and she's going out with him and have you seen it? Have you witnessed the act? And remember that over here, the had qadhaf, this is for the act of zina. Alright? But if someone says about another that, oh, he kissed her. Right? Or they didn't commit zina but they were together. Then the qadi, the judge, he can give ta'zeer. Right? What is ta'zeer? A lighter punishment. Which is not 80 lashes but lighter than that. Right? So these terms you should be familiar with. One is had. Hudud. Had. And what is that legal punishment that we learn from the Quran and Sunnah? Then there is ta'zeer. Tarzir is that punishment which is given by the judge. Alright? For a crime, that is lesser. That is lighter. So, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا مِن بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ وَأَصْلَحُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Now, also remember that if the person who was accused of zina, right, if they forgive the accuser, if they forgive the person who has accused them, then the punishment will not be carried out. Then the had qadaf will not be carried out. You understand? Like for example, let's say there is a man and his name is Mu'adh. Alright? He accuses a man by the name of, let's say, give me a very, very uncommon name. Hmm? Okay. Habib. Okay? A man by the name of Habib. Alright? Name. Okay? He accuses him of zina. And then he doesn't produce witnesses. Alright? Mu'adh doesn't bring any witnesses. 
Now, what has to be done? Mu'ad, he's taken to court, alright? Uh, Habib takes him to court and he says, you know, you've accused me, produce witnesses. The judge demands witnesses. No witnesses or only one witness or two witnesses. Alright? Then what happens? That the judge says, Mu'ad has to be punished. 80 lashes. Alright? And Habib says, you know what? It's okay. I forgive him. I forgive Mu'ad. So in that case, will Mu'ad be punished? No, he will not be punished. If he does tawbah, islah, he seeks forgiveness, and he builds his good reputation, then eventually it might be. Alright? He, he might get his credibility back. Now, there is a particular situation, alright? And this is something that happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. In Bukhari, it is reported that a man by the name of Hilal ibn Umayyah, Hilal ibn Umayyah, alright? He came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I have seen my wife committing zina. I have seen her committing zina. She committed zina. The Prophet ﷺ said, Bring your evidence or the punishment is on your back. Bring your proof that your wife has committed zina, meaning bring four witnesses or the punishment is on your back. 80 lashes, get ready for that. Hilal, he said, O Messenger of Allah, if a man sees his wife committing zina, how could he bring four people to witness? But at the same time, if I have said that she has committed zina because I have seen her doing it in my own house, if I have seen her doing it, how can I continue to live with her? If I divorce her, she takes my mahr. Right? She has all her rights. Whereas she's the one who's wronging me. And if I speak up, for my rights, then what's going on? I have to be punished? 80 lashes? What am I supposed to do? The Prophet ﷺ said, you bring witnesses or 80 lashes on your back. Meaning this is the hukum of Allah. I don't have any choice with regards to this. You have spoken, you have accused her, you bring four witnesses. Hilal anhu said, by the one who sent you with the truth, I am telling the truth, and Allah will reveal something that will protect my back from the punishment. This is reported in Bukhari. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the following ayat. That, وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ أَزْوَاجَهُمْ Those people who accuse their wives, who accuse their wives of what? Of adultery, of fornication. وَلَمْ and not يَكُنْ There is لَهُمْ for them shuhada Any witnesses إِلَّا except أَنفُسَهُمْ Themselves. There are no witnesses except themselves. And you see the case of a husband and wife is different. I mean, if it's somebody else, a random person, Right? Or your neighbor or somebody. That's a different story. But if it's in your house, your own wife doing this, how can you continue to live with them? How can you continue that relationship? If you speak, you're in trouble. If you don't speak, again you're in trouble. What are you meant to do? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُمْ شُهَدَاءَ They have no witnesses, إِلَّا أَنفُسُهُمْ Except themselves. Then فَشَهَادَةُ أَحَدِهِمْ then the testimony of one of them, meaning this is one person. Who is he? The husband. Right? Because, الَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ It's the men who accuse their wives. Right? So this man who is accusing his wife, his testimony is equal to أَرْبَعُ shahadat, Four testimonies. بِاللَّهِ By Allah. Meaning he will testify four times 
that innahu indeed he is lamin as-sadiqin surely from the truthful meaning in the court he is going to swear four times by Allah that he is truthful in accusing his wife so you understand what's happening here there is only one man he's the husband so because he's the husband accusing his wife his situation is different he will testify four times by Allah i am truthful i'm speaking the truth i saw my wife doing this one second time by Allah i am truthful i saw my wife doing this third time by Allah i am truthful i saw my wife doing this fourth time by Allah i am truthful i saw my wife doing this arba'u shahadatin billahi innahu lamin as-sadiqin well a person could even make that up right so wal khamisatu and the fifth time he will swear by Allah anna that la'natallahi alayhi the curse of Allah will be on him that in kana if he is min al-kadhibin from among the liars meaning the fifth time he will say that if i'm a liar then may the curse of Allah be on me so four testimonies fifth time he's saying that may the curse of Allah be on me if i'm lying and by this process the wife is proven guilty so what happened in the case of hilal radhiyallahu anhu in bukhari we learned the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent for both of them hilal came and he gave his testimony and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said allah knows that one of you is lying who's going to do tauba right who's going to do tauba here either the husband or the wife now again a man could do that right if he wants to accuse his wife I mean he's lying he can also swear by Allah four times and then the fifth time that may the curse of Allah be on me if I'm lying he can make it up he can do it and there are people who do that so the wife is proven guilty does she have the right to defend herself to prove her innocence yes so at this point either she agrees that yes he's right all right or if she's innocent or she doesn't want to confess then she has the chance to defend herself and what is that we learn in the following ayah that wayadra'u and it will prevent dal ra hamza dar is to remove something harmful with full force right something harmful is coming your way and you push it away so now the woman is proven guilty the punishment should be carried out on her but she repels the punishment or the punishment will be removed for her it will be warded off from her so wayadra'u anha al-'adhab the punishment will be averted from her how an that tashhada she testifies arba'a shahadat four testimonies billahi by allah that innahu lamin al-kadhibin that indeed he is from the liars meaning she will testify to prove her innocence four times by allah he's lying i never did this 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 four times she swears by allah that he is a liar wal khamisa and the fifth time that anna ghadab allah alayha that may the anger of allah be on her in kana min as-sadiqin if he is from the truthful so the fifth time she will say that if my husband is truthful then may the anger of allah be on me so she's inviting basically the curse of allah on herself if she is lying now if she does this then what will happen what will happen she will not be punished all right she will not be punished however the marriage does it continue no 
it's broken. Fasq. Alright? It's permanently ended. They're never getting back together. Alright? It's permanently ended. So we learn in the hadith, this particular incident, that the woman, she stood up and she gave her testimony. And when she reached the fifth oath, alright, when she was saying, when she was about to say that may the anger of Allah be on her if he is truthful, the people, you know, they tried to stop her that, are you sure about that? Are you sure you want to say that? And they said that if you swear the fifth oath and you are lying, then the curse of Allah will be inevitable. Ibn Abbas anhu said that she hesitated and she kept quiet until we thought that she had changed her mind. But then she said, I will not dishonor my people today. And she went ahead. Alright, and she went ahead and she said that the curse of Allah be on me, the anger of Allah be on me if my husband is speaking the truth. So basically she was not punished. The marriage was ended. He went his way, she went her way. The child that was born to her, the Hilal was not responsible. It was not his child. Alright? Because generally what happens? I mean, after a divorce, alright, if the woman is pregnant and she gives birth, who has to take care of that child? In the sense that who has to provide for the woman? Her clothing and everything. Who has to? The ex-husband has to, right? But in this case, no, the ex-husband is not going to have to provide for her. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, wait until she gives birth. And if she gives birth to a child whose eyes look as if they are ringed with kuhl, and basically he gave a description of the child. He said that that child is the child of Sharik bin Sahma, meaning the person whom Hilal who was accusing of that he is the one who was committing zina with my wife and I saw the act. So the Prophet ﷺ said, if the child looks like this, then he is the child of that man. And she gave birth to a child that met the exact description that the Prophet ﷺ gave. The Prophet ﷺ said, were it not for the book of Allah, meaning the law that Allah has revealed, I would deal with her. I would have punished her. Now this process, this is known as al-li'an. What is li'an? It's from la'na, curse. Invoking the curse of Allah. Upon who? Upon the one who is lying. Allah says, وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ If it was not for the favor of Allah on you, وَرَحْمَتُهُ and His mercy, then what would happen? He would be in great trouble. He would be in great distress. What would you do in this situation? Allah has provided a way out for you. وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ تَوَّابٌ حَكِيمٌ And Allah is accepting of repentance and He is wise. So this law that Allah has given here of li'an, what is this? It is His mercy, it is His bounty, and without it, you would have been in much difficulty and hardship. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses, and then a few more points for clarification. وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَأْتُوا بِأَرْبَعَةِ شُهَدَاءَ فَاجْلِدُوهُمْ فَاجْلِدُوهُمْ ثَمَانِينَ جَلْدَةً وَلَا تَقْبَلُوا لَهُمْ شَهَادَةً أَبَدًا وَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ وَأَصْلَحُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ أَزْوَاجَهُمْ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُمْ شُهَدَاءُ إِلَّا أَنفُسُهُمْ فَشَهَادَةُ أَحَدِهِمْ 
That does it work the other way also? That if a wife sees her husband doing this, can she accuse him of this in court and go and accuse him four times and all of that? No. Right? Because in the Quran specifically, what has been mentioned is with respect to men accusing their wives. Alright? But what if there is a case like that? And it's very likely. It's possible. So then what is a woman supposed to do? The thing is that we have to understand the idea behind li'an. Li'an is the process of ending the marriage. Alright? And the man initiates this. Why? Because the man initiates divorce. Now, in this case, why doesn't he just simply give talaq to her? Because if he just gives talaq to her, he looks like the bad guy. Right? And he has to let go of the mahal. And forget the mahal. If she's pregnant, the child is on him, his shoulders. You understand? He has to provide for her clothing and her food and for the child during the entire time the child is nursing. Alright? So it's not fair if the child is not his. So you see, Li'an is initiated by the husband because he is the one initiating the process of divorce. Why? So that the responsibility is not upon his shoulders. Alright? And we know that a woman, she doesn't initiate the divorce. Why? Because after the divorce, she has no responsibility towards that man. But it doesn't work the other way, does it? After divorce, does a man still have responsibility for his ex-wife if she's pregnant, if she has children? He does, yes. Financial responsibility is on him, Islamically. Do you know that? We learned about it earlier in Surah Al-Baqarah. So for example, if a man and woman are married, man divorces woman, she is pregnant or she has little children, who has to provide for her financially? Ex-husband. Ex-husband has to. If it's the other way, I mean, does the wife have any responsibility for that ex-husband? No, she doesn't. She has no obligations towards him. She's free. Alright? So if the man in this particular situation that is mentioned in these verses, if he just gives talaq to her, you see the responsibility is still on his shoulders. And who looks like the bad guy? He looks like the bad guy. But if he has seen her committing zina, it's not fair. Alright? Okay. Now, what if a woman sees her husband doing this? What's the solution for her? Is it li'an? No, it's not li'an. What is it then? She takes divorce. She ends the marriage. Alright, how? By going through a legal process. 
alright, and by khula, alright, initiating the divorce, going through the legal process, and terminating the marriage. Alright, and this is the solution that has been given to her. Because once the marriage ends, she is no longer connected to him. She has nothing to do with him. She has no responsibility towards him. Alright? And the ulama, they say that if a woman knows that her husband has committed zina, but she has no proof, alright, no witnesses, then she should advise him, remind him, and tell him to fear Allah. If he persists in his sin, then she should ask for divorce. And if that doesn't happen, she should separate from him by means of khula. Because there is nothing good for her in staying with him. And because his having intercourse with other women may affect her. Her haq, her rights. Alright? Any other question? Go ahead. The man says, may the larna of Allah be on him. And the woman says, may the ghadab of Allah be on her. Alright? Larna, what is this? Uh, larna is being far removed from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is ghadab? Anger and punishment. Alright? Anger and punishment. Because if she is lying, right, then she is saying basically that may the punishment of Allah fall upon me. It's basically meant as a deterrent, right? That you are inviting Allah's punishment on yourself. Are you sure you want to go ahead with this? Are you truthful? Are you lying? Alright? Any other question? Or clarification? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, but then again, what's the other option? If she accuses him openly, she has to bring proof. And if she doesn't bring it, then what? You understand? And also some fuqaha, they say that the hikmah behind this is that a woman might be, you know, just to take revenge, she might do this. Alright? So that she doesn't have to take the khula, and she doesn't have to lose anything. She might just do this because of her vengeful feelings for that husband even if he did not commit anything. So women are more likely to come up with this. This is a hikmah that some of the scholars have suggested, that this is why a woman does not initiate li'an. But understand the concept of li'an. It's the initiation of divorce. Alright? Being free of obligations after terminating the marriage. Because after terminating the marriage, the woman is not responsible she doesn't have any obligations towards the man. Alright? And also remember that the man, he is qawwam, right? Between these two people, who is the one given responsibility? The man. Okay? Now, just one thing I'd like to remind you of, what we learned at the beginning of the surah. Remember the content? This is what we've studied. What is the context? What is the context of carrying out these legal rulings? whether it is li'an or it is the had of qadaf or it is the had of zina, what is the context? There has to be an Islamic government in place, in effect, alright? And understand that in an Islamic society, there is spiritual, moral development of people, alright? Men are expected to come and pray five times a day, right? Women are observing hijab. All the evils are, they're not rampant, they're not common, 
Alright? There is Amr bin Ma'roof, Nahi anil Munkar. And at the same time, people are literate of the deen. Do you really expect that in a society like that, a crime like this would happen? It would be rare. Very, very rare. Alright? And this is why in a society like that, if a crime like zina happens, then the repercussions are very serious. Because we might think of this punishment as very severe. Flogging, stoning to death. Oh my God, that's it's too much. Right? Just the thought of flogging, stoning to death, it's, it's mind-boggling for us. We think it's very harsh, barbaric, right? Why? Because we're looking at it from our context. But you have to understand that this punishment is only implemented where? In the context of an Islamic society. You know, this is just like in the haram, by the Kaaba. If a person commits a crime over there, is the punishment more serious? Yes, it is. And if a person were to commit the same crime somewhere else on earth, is the punishment that serious? No. Why? Because it's not the same. The context is not the same. In a sacred month, sacred time of the year, if a sin is committed, is it the same as committing a sin, that same sin at another time of the year? It's not. Why? Because the context is different. Did you want to say something? Exactly. Like in history also, I mean, whenever you're studying something about the past people, you don't look at it as, oh, well, but if this is done today, it would be unacceptable. No. You, what happened then, how? In that situation, you look at it, keeping the context in mind. So the context of these hudud is what? An Islamic society. A very moral society. A very spiritual society. Alright, where individuals are responsible, they're educated, their tarbiyah is taken care of. You know, for example, in an Islamic society, there's rules to eliminate poverty also. Right? I mean, more than zakat also, like for example, what Umar anhu did, appointing stipends for widows, for orphans, so that no one is suffering from poverty. So if, you know, a person's, you know, he's taken care of financially, he's taken care of socially, there's security, everything is provided for, and yet they're committing zina, yet they're committing theft, then theft is a very serious crime. You understand? Then zina is a very serious crime. It's not a small crime. Now, does it mean that this is completely irrelevant to us? What do we learn from this? The enormity of the sin of zina. You know, inshallah, we will learn the following ayat about a particular incident that happened in the life of the Prophet wasallam. And there were some people who accused Aisha anha of committing zina. Alright? Imagine, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. And the one who started all of this was who? Abdullah bin Ubay. Who was he? The leader of the hypocrites. But you know what? What's amazing is that the had of Qadhaf was not carried out against him. It was carried out against Hamna radiallahu anha, Mistah radiallahu anhu. Alright? It was carried out against the companions, the believers, who participated in spreading the slander. But the one who initiated this was Abdullah bin Ubay. The punishment was not carried out against him. And you wonder why? He's the one who started this. Why? Because when the Prophet ﷺ spoke to the people about Abdullah bin Ubay, that 
do something to stop him because now he's coming after my family. I mean, his hypocrisy is evident. There was literally a fight between the companions because there were some people who were related to him, Abdullah bin Ubay. So people from his tribe, right, they didn't want that something is done against Abdullah bin Ubay. And the scholars say that the reason why Abdullah bin Ubay was not punished was because Allah did not want him to be purified here. Allah did not want him to be purified here. So for him is adabun alim, painful punishment in the next life. So hudud, these punishments, what's their objective? What's the purpose? Is the purpose just to oppress people and control them? What's the purpose? Purify them. And this is why we see that accusing someone of these crimes is very difficult. Proving them to have committed this crime is very difficult. It's almost impossible. Right? Guilt is only established how? Through confession. And confession will be done by who? Someone who wants to be purified. When the punishment will be carried out, he's purified, he meets Allah with a clean record. And the one who does not confess, he's accused, like the case of the woman, right? She was accused. Alright? And what happened? She testified that she was innocent, she was lying. She wasn't purified. Abdullah bin Ubay was not purified. So they meet Allah guilty. A sin is a sin. Alright? The tawbah for zina is not to get married to the person that zina was done with. The tawbah for zina is what? What is the purification? What is it that will cleanse a person for zina? It's the had. Alright? It's not nikah. But in a place where had cannot be carried out, like for example in our context, then what needs to be done? Then what needs to be done? Right? Istighfar, tawbah, and conceal the sin. And I repeat that. If the sin of zina has been committed, Allah has concealed it. Do tawbah. Do istighfar and conceal the sin. Bury it in hopes that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also cover that sin. Go ahead. Okay. So if a woman, she commits zina and she has a child, right? regardless of whether the hadith is carried out or not, then what is her status? I mean, the child will be hers. Alright? The child is attributed to her. You understand? Of course it's proof of guilt. That what do you do? You do nothing. Right? Because again, you can't carry out the punishment unless guilt is established. And there's two ways of establishing guilt. Basically what I understand from these ayat is, don't talk about zikr. Don't go near it. Keep away from it. It's fahish, it's fahsha. To commit, it's fahsha to even discuss. This is the thing, right? I mean, the man who committed zina, why would he take responsibility for the child? Why would he? He's not married to her. He can run away. I mean, if he does, good of him. But most likely he won't. Who wants a financial burden? You understand? This is why a woman must protect herself. Go ahead. Okay. The question is that if a person has committed zina in the past and they have done tawbah, then 
what is their status? Because in the Quran we learn Azani la yankihu illa zaniya aw mushrika. Right? The thing is that when a person has committed a sin and he has done tawbah from it, and they have done islah, right? Then of course, what does tawbah do? It erases the sin that was committed, right? Like remember the woman who came to the Prophet ﷺ, confessed and request, demanded to be purified. When she was being punished, you know, somebody said something bad about her. And the Prophet ﷺ said, don't do that. Because if her tawbah, this person's tawbah, if it's distributed amongst the people of Medina, it would suffice. Such a great repentance it was. Right? So istighfar and tawbah, it erases the previous sins. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has concealed the sin, if the person has changed their ways, let's get over it as well. Because sometimes a sin that was committed 20 years ago, what happens? We keep reminding other people. Oh, remember? You did this. Remember you did that? Without even thinking how much it would hurt them. They have done tawbah. They have changed their ways. They have amended their ways. And we are reminding them of a sin that they have committed. How do we know? Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has converted that sin into a good deed. Because Allah says in the Qur'an that those are the ones whose sins we convert them into good deeds. In Surah Al-Furqan we learn about it. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to keep away from this great sin and realize its enormity, its seriousness and keep our lives clean from this filth. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.